Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Um, we're in the middle of a series, and we're talking about the, the man Nehemiah, an ordinary man. Everyone say ordinary. Just a normal, order, ordinary person. Uh, before we get into that, I just want to say hello online to some people. Uh, there was someone, uh, Edith, saying great worship. Praise God. We have John McCann saying morning. Uh, William Austin. Hey, William, how's it going? I uh, hope you're good with all the kids. There in Tander Gee. Julie Wilson, awesome worship. Uh, Lindsay Belcher, good to see you. Uh, Naomi Galloway, well, she's in here and online. Mark Stewart, good to see you, mate. Um, who else we got? That's as far as my, there's somebody coming in from Chicago, Edwin. Hey, Edwin, good to see you, sir. Uh, Pastor Edwin, should I say. Simon, good morning. Um, so, so good to have you all online with us this morning. We're excited to be encouraged in God's Word, and we're excited to hear what He has to say, not just to us uh, corporately, but also uh, individually. God has got a word for you individually today, I believe. And if you're listening, I pray that God gives us ears to hear, but God wants to speak to you, to your situation, into your heart. There's maybe some things you never thought would come to pass this morning or some ideas that would actually uh, be enlightened, but, but maybe today is a day that God wants to enlighten some things and he's got some things for you to do on this earth. Can I get an amen? amen. So the series is called The Good Work. Uh, and it's really about making a difference. And we, we look at this guy, Nehemiah. Nehemiah was not a priest. He was not an Old Testament prophet. He was not um, a builder. He was not a foreman. He didn't own any companies. He wasn't a director. He, he was a cupper. He was a servant of the king, and that was it. That was it. But, but maybe like Nehemiah, maybe you're sitting here and you're watching online and you, you, you would say, there's something that bothers you. Anyone, anything bother you? Anyone have anything that bothers them? Just in general. Plenty of stuff. And uh, some of those things are just tri trivial things, but some of those things are God-given divine things. Um, maybe some of you just, you, you, you can't hack it when somebody is neglected. When a person, God's created human is just not treated the way they should be. Maybe that bothers you. It, it, it frustrates you. You talk about it all the time. Or maybe there's poverty issues that you see across the earth or maybe even locally, and it bothers you. you you'll talk about it until tomorrow if you could. Uh, or maybe there, there's uh, human trafficking. It bothers you. It's becoming uh, more widespread known, but, but maybe it just it, if you started talking about that, you could talk forever. And some of us, you know, we would call those things a divine burden. It's something that doesn't necessarily, it's not, not really to do with you being taught about it or, or somebody coaching you into supporting a team, for instance, Man United or Liverpool. Sometimes you support those teams just because you were told to as a kid and somebody put a bib on you with a badge. But there's sometimes there's things in life that was never given to you or Man, it's not man-made. It wasn't coached by anyone. It isn't influenced by anyone. But just there's something deep inside of you. You don't understand it, but it's there. 
and it's a burden. And to be honest, that's probably what happened to me. No one really told me about planting the church. No one really said I should. No one even suggested it. But at 17 years old, I had a burden for the local church. It didn't really make sense, but I was so interested. I, I, I didn't even have that many friends that were talking the same way, but, but for some reason, I couldn't shake it. I still can't. I'm so, it, it just got worse. It's getting worse. I'm getting more passionate as time goes on. I'm talking about it more than I did when I was 17. And I'm not bored yet. And so some of we, we could, Craig Rochelle says this one way. He says, the burden you bear often reveals the calling you embrace. The burden you bear often reveals the calling you embrace. Let's pray. God, I thank you that, God, you're well aware of how you've created us. You're well aware of the way uh, you've, you've made us to be. And God, you've given us burdens, you've given us weight so that we can turn that weight into worship, so we can turn that situation around through your power and through your might. God, we just ask, I ask that you speak through me this morning. I ask you speak into people's hearts. Holy Spirit, move the way that only you can move. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. See, that weight and that burden and that frustration is sometimes what God is trying to, to cultivate in your heart to prepare you for what He has called you to do. It's, it's not a problem to fix. It's a tension to manage. It's not something you need to ignore. It's not so, it, only because it's frustration. We don't, you don't need to run from it. You don't want to just uh, let it settle. Sometimes that turbulence that you find in your spirit, in your heart, in your belly is there for purpose. It has to be there. You can't be passionate without it. You can't get the job done without it. Sometimes you might even need to weep. You might even need to cry about it. And, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And so we, we pick up at this story with uh, Nehemiah. And what had happened in the situation was decades before, about 140 years before, King Nebuchadnezzar had came in with the Babylonians and they destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And now we have the walls they had fallen. There was rubble. There was no protection. There was no jobs anymore. There was no city. There was no hope. And some of us can sometimes relate to that in, in different seasons of our life where it feels like our walls have fallen. It feels like our hope has gone. It feels like maybe right now you're experiencing that or you have in the past or you will in the future. And the walls fall and they've crumbled. And what do we do? What do I do when I don't know what to do? That's a good question. <laughs> and if you've lived long enough, you will have been there. And what I want to encourage you to do and what I had to encourage myself to do, in the past I might have tried to fix something superficially. I might have tried to have my own idea and I would have failed and I would have burnt myself out trying on my own strength. But I, I think we can learn some really great lessons from Nehemiah. And, and this message today is called, Do the Work and Make a Difference. Do the Work and Make a Difference. Our vision is know God, find freedom, discover purpose, 
and make a difference is essentially what we see in Nehemiah. That's our vision. We want to activate people, each and every person watching online. God has put something in you to make a difference. In person, God has put something in you to make a difference. But what is it? It's probably the thing that frustrates you. It's probably the thing where you've experienced pain. It's potentially the thing that you're frustrated with. There's something deep within that. There's an injustice deep within that, that, that that's pulling at you. And God might want you to do something about And so the first thing we see Nehemiah doing is, so he's in this situation. He's, he's got this burden. He feels distraught. He feels heavy. He's now found out that some of the people, uh, the Israelites, those people who were in Jerusalem have been set free to go back to Jerusalem, but there's no walls. He sees the vulnerability. He sees a problem, and, and he's hurting. Well, the first thing we see that Nehemiah done was he what? He prayed. He didn't just pray. He wept. He was emotionally available before God. How often do we pray and we just pray rigid prayers? God in heaven, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will. And, and we nearly pray, it's like the, you were in assembly at school and that's the way you prayed it, so you just continued praying it. Our Father, who art in heaven, I am a robot, I have no emotion. Uh, I am as hard as the wall that was knocked down in Jerusalem. I have no emotions. If we're not careful, life can make us a little bit robotic. Life can make us a little bit hard. Life can, can cause us to run from weeping and, and run from what, what we fear. Life can cause us to run from the, the purpose and the passion that God has put in us because it seems easier just to harden our hearts and become robotic. Easy. That's easy to do, but God has called you to more than just easy. God has called you to more than just emotions and an emotional state for a temporary period of time. God has called you to more than that. God has called us to make a difference. And if we look actually at the scripture when Jesus died on the cross, it says in, I think it's Hebrews, for the joy that was set before him, he endured. He had what it took to get the job done. So what, is the, what are the walls in the life that you're living through, the lens that you're seeing through, that God wants you to rebuild? That does not mean you're not going to have to endure. That does not mean you're not going to have to persevere. It does not mean it won't hurt. It does not mean, actually probably will mean there's going to be pain. But the passion will always outweigh the pain. And I don't know about you, but I've never felt as alive as when I'm emotionally invested into a person or a situation or circumstance. I'm alive when my, my life depends on it. I'm alive when, if I don't step up, it won't work. I'm alive when I have to put and invest the work and the sacrifice in it. What was that? Well, I, wanna, I don't want to sacrifice. I feel like, is that biblical, the sacrifice? I thought the sacrifices were gone because Jesus came. I didn't think I had to kill the lambs or slaughter the bulls anymore. Or I thought, you know, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He was, yes, but he also called us to be living sacrifices. What does that mean? In basic form, it just means to give yourself. 
to invest yourself, to give, let your emotions be attached, let your heart be attached, let your heart break for what breaks God's heart. That's what we're talking about here. When you see injustice in the world, when something's not right, your heart is breaking, I hope. I hope it's not just, if it's just for your comfort, if it's just for what benefits you, then maybe we have to question, is that really, is that from God or is that just us full of fear? Is that just us trying to play it safe? God has called us, I'm telling you, there's no greater, more powerful act that any man can do, any man or woman can do, is to give their life for a cause. Especially as men, sometimes we can become so lethargic so lethargic. And I honestly believe, you know, you see that typical kind of man in the movies or in, in a program, and he comes in and he puts the feet up, he crack, cracks open a beer and watches the football, and that's the day done. While the woman's doing a lot of the work. Can I get a, an amen from the woman? <laughs> but I truly believe that men are called to more than that. But, but the problem is when we can get men active, things change. We can get men to step up. I feel it myself. I can easily fall into this pit of just lethargic. I don't want to be emotionally, oh, I don't want to be emotional. Oh, awkward conversation. It's a bit weird. But when I can get myself over that line, I become alive. I, my heart softens. I start to invest in things that have worth, eternal worth. I start to be present in situations where I draw back and play it cool. So that's just a little dig at myself and all the men. <laughs> First thing we see Nehemiah do is seek God faithfully. It says in the book of Nehemiah that there's 12 accounts where we see that Nehemiah prayed. So it wasn't just, you know, sometimes we pray when things are really bad and that's it. No, it seems to me that in the book of Nehemiah, that Nehemiah had a routine, he had a habit, a habitual habit of praying. It was a part of his life. So when crisis came, his prayer was his first response. It wasn't his last resort. And this is what I believe. I believe that a lot of us and a lot of people on the earth today, it's not that they don't want to make a difference. They do. I don't believe that people don't make a difference in their life or in the life or in the in the world around them because they don't have a desire to do it. I think they've got the heart, they just don't have the clarity. How do I do it? Where do we go from here? I'm thinking about strategies for us as a church. How do we evangelize? How do we uh, invite people into a relationship with Christ better? We've just printed off a thousand invite cards. We're starting to get on that journey now. And I want to empower the evangelists in our church. It's going to happen, but we're starting. I need clear mind. How are we going to do this? We need it simple. We need it something where we can train multiple people up and it's going to be consistent and effective. But, but until we get some kind of clear strategy and simple way of doing that, we're all going to be kind of, we're going to do nothing. We're not going to even move until there's a plan. But our intentions are good. I've got a good. Maybe you're saying right now, I've got, yeah, I really hate that injustice. I really hate this. I'm frustrated by that. But, but you're just kind of hemming and hand. I'm not sure. Maybe this, maybe that. I'm not sure I should go here. I've heard that person say this. I've heard that over in that country, in this town, and in that company. And, and, but, but we're not clear. 
And I, I can promise you the one thing prayer has done with me throughout my life is just give me a clear mind. When I put God first, it, put things in, it puts things into order. When God's first, everything falls underneath. There's order. You see, you cannot function without order first. Unction. Unction? Unction. Yeah, it gives you unction. Order precedes, meaning it comes before functionality. If we, we, we were just about to, we started to equip a service flow team. We've got Naomi this morning. We have Nazaria, both doing a fantastic job. We're, we're empowering some people to bring order to the chaos. Because when we have no order in the chaos, tension rises, fear rises, panic rises, and we're not as good as we were. And what we find with Azaria and Naomi coming in and helping us with order is things are, we're enjoying ourselves more. We're getting the work done. People can focus on staying in their lane. Have you ever heard that saying, stay in your lane? If someone's starting to butt in to your business or maybe you're at work or you're trying to do something and someone's like trying to tell you how to do your job, you're like, stay in your lane. That's a wee tip. Just stay. I've never said it to my wife, I promise. <laughs> She's not here today so I can stretch the truth a little bit. That's lying, by the way. Stay in your lane. So order precedes functionality. When we seek God, you know what we're doing? We're putting things back into order. Yes, you're full of fear. Yes, you're frustrated. Yes, your mind's full of worry and, and you're thinking about overthinking all kinds of different situations. Have you prayed yet? Have you put things into order in your psyche? In your emotions? Have your emotions got order? Who are they following? Just the world? Just Instagram? Just feel, where's the order? If it's not order, it's chaos. I always think about school. I, you know, I teach in school sometimes, and you, you can imagine just allowing the emotions to lead us and, and saying, you know, we're, we're going to start believing that we're emotionally led and not by decisions. So, kids today, thanks for coming to school. Um, there's no teachers anymore. Everyone's on the level playing field. Uh, just going to trust that you're going to get your work done. Um, and there's no bells any longer in the school. Just kind of, you know, I trust you're going to get the classroom in the right time. And uh, we're going to remove all the order. What do you think is going to happen? I promise you, within 30 minutes, the tables will be upside down. The football will be out of the storeroom in the PE office. And honestly, people probably would have left the school by, within an hour. Apart from a few, you know, really well-trained Train in the way of the Lord, they'll be there doing their homework. But you see, order precedes functionality. When we seek God, we put things back into order. It's the same with when we pray, when, when I give, my whole mindset with giving is I'm putting God first in that area of my life. Because if I can get order, there's functionality. My heart's right. I'm surrendered. I'm a living sacrifice. I've dealt with that. I'm just maintaining order. And when there's order, there's function. When there's function, there's progress. And I get the job done. And, I, and I'm enjoying the job now. I'm not full of, I'm not, I don't have a scatty brain. Anyone got a friend who's got like a scatty brain? Just like, is all over the show. Honestly, if you're creative, you're probably a scatty brain. Because that kind of works to your advantage. You like to like create things and you need to keep probing and trying. And, and that's how we do research and, uh, but sometimes 
if you're scatty brain, you need someone to help you with some order. Because you can have all this. Have you ever been into the office of someone who's got that kind of scatty brain? Or, or maybe you have a teacher at school and the, the, their desk is an absolute mess, but they know where everything is. And then you come to another teacher and they're fully organized and quite rigid and everything's and it's got wee boxes and it's labeled. And both are good, both are important, but, but we need order to function. Seek God faithfully. Nehemiah realized if he can seek God, God can drop them some things. He can bring order into his soul, into his heart, and he can begin to get things into order so he can make a plan to make a difference. Some of us have spent our whole life living a life with good intentions without order. And because you've had good intentions without order, there's no impact. If you're honest, you really haven't had much impact because you've nearly convinced yourself that by having a good intention, that's enough. God sees the heart. But actually, no, faith without works is dead. Yes, we do, we're not... I was, I was thinking about this during the week and I felt the Holy Spirit convicted me that, that yes, we're not saved by works, but we're saved for works. And actually, works... The works of, of the Holy Spirit coming into the natural is a testimony that the Holy Spirit is actually at work. So if we don't have any work, if there's no end product from what God is doing in our heart, then is there faith? <laughs> because faith always has a work. The reason we don't have a work is sometimes not because of our intention. The reasons we don't have a work is because we don't have a plan. Because we're scatterbrained. And, and, and the fear has trapped us in the scatterbrained because if you're, if you're a creative person, I can guarantee you your fear is, is actually making that decision and get, you're afraid of getting it wrong. So you don't even want to put that into a structure, into a plan, because what if it's wrong? I want to get it right. I like to get it right. I'm creative. I don't like to be bound by a structure. But actually, you need a structure to make it work. And if you're a structured person, you don't want any question marks, what ifs, you don't want many options. You want one option and just to figure it out. But actually, maybe you need to get down to, to a level playing field and ask a few different questions outside of your norm, outside of your structure, because maybe the structure that you have right now isn't working. You need to get creative. You, you need to be in a safe place where you, where you face that fear and you, and, and you can deal with it. And so we need both. And when you seek God, God is faithful. God is trustworthy. And that's why prayer, I believe, is so effective because God is a father that loves you, accepts you, paid the price for you. He bought you at a price. It's a safe place to think. It's a safe place to plan. It's a safe place to prepare for impact. So Nehemiah 2, verses 2 to 3, it says this. So if we, if we watch this... Nehemiah was praying for four months, for four months, from November to December, and then he prays until the month of Nisan, it says. So it goes on to say, in the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Art, we're going to call him, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in, the presence, in his presence before. This is Nehemiah speaking. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be, this, this can be nothing but sadness of heart. So Nehemiah is actually he's sad in front of the king. 
probably for the first time, it seems, or at least it's a very rare occasion. I was very much afraid. He was apprehensive of what the king might say. Am I going to lose my job? Like, this is it. I've got to step up. This is, it. This is where faith hits the work. This is where my burden begins to build. This is where I start to turn what's been frustrating me into something which God has created me for. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? See, this was after four months of prayer. He realized probably what he had to do. He realized this is it. What's going to happen now? If I bring this into the light, if I bring my frustrations into the light to the king, is he going to accept it? Is he going to reject me? Am I going to lose my job? Is all of my comfort going to be destroyed? He had to be willing to lose it all. He was apprehensive. Maybe you're apprehensive. Maybe there's some things in your life that you know needs rebuilt, or there's some areas in the life, in the world around you, you know need rebuilt, and you've got a passion for it. Well, it might take you losing it all. It might, you have to be willing to give some stuff up. You've got to be willing to sacrifice. You know, I remember when I was, uh, when I was young, just, you know, what, what do you pray to God about? <laughs> you know, does God really care? about Maybe God just wants me to, if it's about church or something, or it's about something big or a big operation, you know, I'll pray to God about those things, but does God care about the small things like my heart? And the reason I know this to be true is because I've, as, as I've journeyed through life, and even in the last few years, in the last few months, you know, just little things, I've realized that prayer affects everything I do. That, honestly, a few days ago, I probably got too busy and, and didn't pray. And it's just so interesting how it shifted my mindset, how it shifted my mood, how it shifted my attitude when I didn't pray. Because I was so used to praying that I got so busy and started doing just, I didn't mean to not, but I just, I, I just was busy. And I'm telling you, I was more weary. It just felt a bit more chaotic. It felt like a, my fuse was a bit shorter. I had less grace for people in my life. I was less compassionate. I was less willing to invest my heart because I didn't pray. And when I pray, what I often find is that God will reveal something or, or something about my heart. If there's something off, the Holy Spirit always gives me a nudge to you know, give that person a break. You know, what about this, Phil? What about this in your heart? What about the, the plank in your heart before you take the speck out of that other person's? But if I don't pray, it becomes more chaotic, like the school without order. I'm starting to flip tables, not literally, but in my mind. Starting to throw balls of paper at people. Wing. And it was fun for a minute, but there's five coming back. It was exciting for a minute, but it didn't work. It didn't function. I wasn't, as fu I wasn't functioning the way God had called me to function in the spirit. I didn't have love, joy, and peace like I did have when I prayed. See, there's nothing too big for God's power 
are too small for God's heart. God's all about the big things, and He's all about the small things. God cares about your emotional state every day, every moment. The Holy Spirit wants to to keep you in order so that you can function. And sometimes it doesn't have to be some big mad word. Sometimes, most of the time, to be quite honest, it's not God's going to tell you every, every other day to go and, you know, save the earth and do this, that, or go and be a missionary, anything major. I honestly find the Holy Spirit, when we're walking daily, is, is more trying to keep us in line with His ways. And when we stay in line with God's ways, He leads us to His will. It's more organic. It's not this kind of panic mode. Let's just keep doing what God's in control. Ultimately, God's in control anyhow. God's orchestrating everything. There's nothing too big for God's power or or too small for God's heart. Number two, we need to define the vision clearly. See, most people's problem is not caring. It's they don't have clarity. There's confusion. So let's look at what Nehemiah had done. Remember, he had four months of prayer. He had been weeping. He had been crying out, God, I don't know what to do. And, and gradually, God has obviously given clarity. And not just given clarity, he started to maybe seek advice about a plan. He took his time. He didn't rush it. Maybe you're in a place where you need to make a decision. And God never rushes things. We've never seen throughout the Bible where Jesus was panicking like, oh, I've just arrived on the scene of the, you know, the fish and the loaves and I'm late. Let me do a quick miracle here to fix it. No, he was never panicking. God worked in rhythm. As he just walked in God's ways, God led him to his will. And so if you're panicking, if you're trying to rush a decision, I would suggest to you it's probably not God's best. It's not God's will in your life. Even if you've made a mistake, it's not God's will to go and rush to, f- to fix it. Because sometimes when we rush to fix it, we don't fix it right. We, 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 we run past things that we need to look at. We, we hide things because we don't want to deal with them. So God's way is Thor. He doesn't want us to rush through life in a panic station with chaos order. Just look at what Nehemiah done here. It said, said, the king said to me, what is it you want? So here's the big question he's been waiting for. What's the king going to say? Am I going to get rejected if I go for that job? If I go and talk to the boss, am I going to get rejected? Is he going to throw me out because I'm, I'm too much of a burden? The king asked him, what is it you want? So this is make or break. He says, then I prayed to the God of heaven. He's still praying. He's still, he's still trying to keep his motives pure. He's still trying to keep God involved in the picture. Um, and I answered the king, if, see, he's kind of very respectful, honoring, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so I can rebuild it. So he's super clear. He's dealt with it in his heart. He surrendered to the idea in his heart, he's going to tell the king the truth, and he's got it simple. I want to go back to the city and rebuild it. For the thing that you're passionate about, and you feel that there's a burden on your heart, is it clear? 
Have you prayed it through enough to know exactly what it looks like in simple form? A few years ago, I had to decide. I was in a decision of, we were in a decision of starting the church, and I had to question myself. I had to pray. I remember going around Clare Glen, just praying, God, give me a sign. Just tell me, write it on the, on the clouds and the mountaintops. Do something significant. And, I, and God, God just literally spoke to my heart. And it, it was a decision I had to make. God, God's not just trying to control us. He wants us to make decisions. Are you passionate about it? Do you think it's something, is it a divine call to do this kind of thing? Is the situation right? Are the doors open? Is there an opportunity? Is there people coming with you? Have you asked a multitude of wise counsel for advice so you can get tensions from different sides? These are all biblical things to do before making a decision. And then I decided in my heart, yes, this lines up. This is what I want to do. We're going to start a church. The vision is know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Bang. Write it down. Simple. Nehemiah had done the same. And one thing he didn't do, maybe some of you, are, if someone asked you a question, you maybe, if you, especially if you're creative, sometimes it's hard to define these things. Sometimes I find that as well. Where if someone asks you a question, you're like, well, I was talking to your man over there down the town and he said this and then um, I was talking to this person over in this country on Skype and they were saying this. And, Did you hear about your man over there and this happened to him? And, and then I went down the street and I went up to uh, the shopping center and I seen this happen and what do you want to do? You know, we can easily waffle and there's no clarity, there's chaos, but Nehemiah was like, I want to go to Jerusalem. I want to rebuild the wall. Maybe the problem with you not fulfilling and making a difference is because it's not plain. It's not simple. It's confused, confusing. Define the vision clearly. Example, God is leading me to make a conversation about Jesus to everybody in my class by 2022. God is leading me to overcome my porn addiction by 2022. God is leading me to distribute Bibles all over the city of Craig Avon by 2025. That's a plain, and it's a simple goal. It's clear. It's a clear vision. I find this really interesting. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is get organized. Who made their bed this morning? Let me read you a list of habits. I think there's about seven or eight habits that highly successful people on the earth do today. Number one, highly successful people exercise regularly. Number two, this is second, of the, second at the top of the list, make their bed. Give yourself a pat on the back. Number three, they read. They gain more information. Number four, they wake up early. Number five, they have good etiquette. They have good etiquette, good manners. They, they know how to present themselves well. Number six, they prioritize relationships. They know to be emotionally invested in people. 
They encourage people. They don't make it about just a system. They make it about a person. The most successful businesses and jobs, like Amazon, they make it all about the customer. How can we, they're the priority. How do we make it about them? How do we help them? They make it about the person. Next one, they plan out the day and write it down. The most highly successful people plan the day out and they write it down, just like Nehemiah did. He knew he could write it down in a moment. He could speak it out in a moment. Last, and so, so we, we serve a God of order, a systematic type God. Well, I, oh, I'm a creative. I'm not into the kind of systems and the order. Well, well we are a part of the solar system. We're all, we're all a part of a system. Why? Because the system functions so that we can live. It works. What is the system that you're working? Some of us, the most spiritual thing we can do to move forward in a relationship with Jesus is to, do, to make your bed. Why? Because you're not starting outright in the day. What happens is a trickle-on effect. You're then rushing to work. You're doing your hair in the car or your makeup or whatever. You're getting to work and you're flustered. You certainly haven't prayed. You've barely brushed your teeth. If you haven't, please stop br- start brushing your teeth, please. And so because of that, you've started your day behind, in debt in some ways. You're not settled. You're not thinking straight. There's chaos in your mind. So when you, when you decide, I'm going to get up early to exercise or get up early to, to uh, do your bed, and then, then you, you might have even space to pray. And as you pray, you have a clear mind, and that has a trickle effect on to the rest of the day. You activate love, you activate faith, you activate grace, you activate long-suffering, you activate all of those things that you're going to need to get you through the day walking in the way God has called you to walk. Can I get an Amen. I was quiet. Some people need to make their bed. Nehemiah 2, 68 says, The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take? So he's starting to ask details. And when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, If it pleased the king, may I have a letter to the governor of trans Euphrates? so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. You see, he needed protection to travel and provision to build. He wasn't walking aimlessly. He wasn't walking randomly winging it. He had a specific plan to succeed. What does it say? If you fail to prepare, prepare to fail. That's why as a church, we partner with organizations. We're a part of Tristan Churches Ireland. What is that? That's structure. That's oversight for me, for our church. That's strength. That's power. That's protection. We, we partner with church planting networks like ARC, what is that? That structure. That's, if we're going to empower people to plant churches, 
They're going to help us to get better, to reach people. This is where people come together and in community and we help each other grow and get better. But what they do is when somebody wants to come and plant the churches, they give them training of certain structures that work or have worked. And it breeds success. Preparation, it breeds success. Third, make plans carefully if you watch what Nehemiah had done uh, and the questions he had to answer, how long are you going for? What do you need? When will you be back? What are you going to do? What's it for? He had all of these detailed conversations that, and, and questions that needed to be answered. For whatever it is you're passionate about, wherever you want to make a difference, can you answer those questions? Is there a map? Have you even asked for advice? Do you know what kind of timber you need? Do you know what kind of materials you need? Do you, do you even know that you'll need protection? And do you know if you do not ask for it, you may not get it? So, so important. So maybe some of us, maybe you're looking for a job. Well, have you, have you got any training? Yeah, you might have some theoretical training, but do you have any practical training? Well, maybe you need to make a plan to go get that, even if it's for free. Some of you, you want a date? Have you brushed your teeth? Have you taken a shower? I was going to say, when's the last time you got your hair cut? Well, you've got to buy ball on that for a few weeks. Have you shared with anyone that you can trust for a little bit of advice? Come on, you can ask me if you want, guys, I've made all the mistakes. <laughs> Finally got there, I think I've done all right. Yeah. But we need a plan. If you want to see God move in your life, if there's some area that you're passionate about, well, let's talk. Let's make a plan. Let's pray. Let's not rush. The things that last take time. They need good foundations. Look at the story of Joseph and what he had to go through. All his preparation didn't look like anything we would ever want. <clears throat> but the deeper he went, the higher he also went. And number four, you, you, you inspire people passionately. See, I'm telling you, you cannot be passionate about something that you're not invested in. You cannot be passionate about something that doesn't take sacrifice. This is why when we're talking about the local church or we're talking about any kind of outreach or ministry, it cannot happen without sacrificing time, without sacrificing or, or convenience. It cannot happen without discomfort. It cannot happen without facing fear. I tell you what, I do not want to ever be a part of a church that's just a comfortable church because, you know, a church... It is a comfortable church. It's a church with no power. It's a church that becomes self-centered and selfish. It's a church that doesn't need the Holy Spirit. It's a church that, that is meaningless in some ways. It's a church I'm not even sure that's following God, if I'm honest. Why? Because faith without works is dead. So I'd ask you individually, are you comfortable? Or where is your faith? 
producing a work? Where are you facing that fear that keeps you captive like the Babylonians did to the people of Judah? What is that thing that has broken down your walls and they need rebuilt? What is that area in your family history that that needs to be rebuilt? What is that area in your own life? What is that area at the workplace that's full of trauma, that's full of hurt, it's full of dysfunctionality, and God maybe has called you. You see it's wrong. You know it's not right. But it needs someone who's got confidence, not in people, not in a situation working out a certain way, but it's got confidence in a God who loves them and can step up into the gap. And this is the problem with a lot of times making a difference, like Nehemiah did. And we'll, we'll talk about this next week. Is that Nehemiah had to have confidence, not in the situation, not in, in people liking him for doing what he was d- doing. He had to have a, a confidence that went deeper beyond the approval of man. That's the hard part. He had a, and I'm telling you, without the prayer, I don't believe he would have survived. Without the prayer, I don't think he would have had the plan. Without the prayer, I don't think he would have clarity. Without the prayer, he wouldn't have had God's power. Without the prayer, it wouldn't have worked. And so listen, we've got to face our fears and meet our passions face to face. But don't be surprised if there's fear of rejection. Don't be surprised if you even see that. You've got to be willing to go through that. But I'm telling you, the reward is the crown of life. The reward if it is seeing people in eternity. The reward is fulfilling the mission that God has put on your heart and having a fulfilled life. But you can't inspire people with passion unless you invest, unless there's, it costs you something. And that's how we know in, in church, the people who invest their time their talent and their treasure. They're investing in the church. That's, that's, that's I know those people have, have given up something. It's cost them something. It might even hurt a little bit. But they're invested when it costs them something. So next week we'll talk about hardcore opposition. We'll talk about distractions. We'll talk about being exhausted. How do we get through? Nehemiah teaches us all those things, I believe. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.